Welcome to River City Church Podcast. We're glad you're listening. We believe this message will be encouraging and timely. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co. Tonight, we're going to uh, actually spend most of our time in the book of Nehemiah. I've got a few passages from there we'll look at, but uh, I hadn't planned on continuing our series, Unhealthy, which we've been doing midweek, but uh, this just fits uh, appropriately with it, so we'll just say this is a part of it. I don't know if we're on part four or five. Jason can help me keep track of that. I think we're on part four, uh, but we are, uh, tonight is, I want to talk to you about breaking the cord, breaking the cord. We're going to start in uh, this verse from Ecclesiastes chapter four, verse 12. It says, though... One may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly or easily broken. The one may be overpowered by another, two can withstand him, a threefold cord is not quickly or easily broken. You know, I mentioned uh, the importance of, of healthy, godly relationship and unity last week. We spoke into that. Uh, as we've been looking through this series, Unhealthy, we've uh, looked in particular uh, from a passage that describes uh, a, a heartfelt prayer from the Apostle John to the church where he prayed that they would prosper and be in health even as their soul prospered. And that word prosper, as we looked at in, in the Hebrew uh, Old Testament, the word prosper meant to move forward, to have vic- to be victorious, to go, to go ahead or cross over and uh, it's a great idea that God wants us to move forward in every area of our life, first spiritually, connecting us to God, growing us in our relationship with Jesus. Then he wants us to, to grow in health, uh, emotional, spiritual, financial, uh, relational health. He wants to heal our marriages. He wants to restore our lives. He wants to, he wants to draw our families together. He wants to build the church, all those things. Uh, but it requires God uh, kind of doing a process of healing and transformation and setting free. Uh, and tonight we're going to look at an area from this verse that, uh, you know, this is something I'll often quote uh, when I'm, I'm performing a wedding ceremony or even in counseling uh, to have people preparing for marriage is to understand this idea of a threefold cord. The, you know, the, it's not the individual strands of a rope that provide its strength, but when they're brought together, tied together, twisted together, uh, the rope together with all of its different elements tied together actually becomes stronger because of what it what's it, it's made up of and this verse pictures this that there's a threefold cord that uh, and, and when I talk about it in context of marriage you uh, your spouse and Jesus together make a strong healthy marriage a Christian marriage is not two Christians married together it's it's Jesus at the center there is a difference. Uh, and so, so you know, I know your Christian mingle profile matched, but uh, when Jesus is... At- uh, when Jesus is at the center, not just that we go to church or we believe in God or we have, which that's a starting point, but we have to every day have Jesus at the center. And, and that's true of every relationship. But I want to actually take kind of the, if I could say the negative side of this, looking at how the enemy uses a kind of a threefold strategy uh, to, to, to hinder us in moving forward. And we're going to see God break those cords, break uh, unhealthy ties, unhealthy things that have held us 
back. Uh, and I've got three points, and, and it comes from this concept of agreement. The first one is who or what are you agreeing with? Who and what are you agreeing with? Who and what your life is in agreement with can move you forward or hold you back from your God-given purpose and calling, what you're created for. It can keep you from discovering your identity in Christ. It can keep you from, from advancing in all that God has for you. Who and what you're in agreement with, uh, not just in the big picture, but sometimes on a daily basis uh, when it comes to what we believe, what we say, how we live our lives, how we express our lives, has everything to do with uh, what we're connected to. And so we looked at how Jesus, the church, is to be connected to the head. The church has to be connected in relationship and agreement with Jesus. Uh, He's the head of the church. And so last week we talked about unity and how important unity is, and unity in relationships happens, uh, even as we saw with the church in particular, how when we come together and pray, we says if two or three of you agree about anything, he says, I'll do it. Agreement is powerful, and what you agree with and who you agree with can make the difference in your life and in your purpose and in your identity. Isaiah 28, uh, we're, we're going to talk about this at the beginning, and then I want to finish from this chapter. Isaiah 28, verse 15, God was speaking to the Israelites in a season where many of them had abandoned God for idols, had turned to other things. Uh, See, spiritual warfare is always about a couple things. It's first about your worship. It's about your heart's affection, because whatever has your heart directs your life. Whatever has your heart directs your life. And so that's where it starts. Then the next expression of that, and I think one of the major areas of spiritual warfare in our lives, and what I mean by spiritual warfare is the enemy trying to undermine and and destroy, to steal, kill, and destroy from you, is in the area of your identity and purpose. So identity is oftentimes, you know, the enemy tries to call into question who you are and what you're created for. I think it doesn't take much to look at the world and see there's an identity crisis in, in, in entire generations are affected by it, and even in, in the church, even believers have a problem understanding whose they are and who they are. If you don't know who you are, you won't recognize what you've been given. And so, so our, our kingdom authority, our prayer life, our, our faith, all of that flows from first who we are in Jesus and who he is in our lives. And so, but God's speaking to these these. Uh, the, the Israelites, uh, it says, because you've said we've made a covenant with death and with Sheol or, or hell or the grave, uh, we, and with Sheol we are in agreement. So, so he's, he's highlighting, you know, they had compromised, they had worshiped other gods, they had, in their eyes, made an agreement with all these other, uh, kind of with the enemy. It's kind of like, you know, if I'm not fighting the enemy, then he'll leave me alone. And that's, that's kind of where they're at. They're in agreement with the wrong thing. He says, because you've made a covenant with death and with Sheol, we are in agreement, because you've said this, when the overflowing scourge passes through, it will not come to us, and for we made lies our refuge, and under falsehood we have hidden ourselves." So they had trusted in where their agreement was. The only problem was they were agreeing with the wrong thing. Their agreement, and he even uses the the language of a covenant, they were in relationship with something that was actually destructive. And so we'll we'll revisit that in a moment. But I want to 
kind of set this up, talking about agreement. Matthew chapter 3 is uh, the baptism of Jesus. He's baptized in the River Jordan, a significant event, of course, in the history and life and ministry of Jesus. He's baptized in the River Jordan. The Holy Spirit descends like a dove upon him, and then heaven opens, and the voice of the Father speaks to his, over his Son, the God the Father speaking over God the Son, Jesus. And this is what he said, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. That's the, that's the word and affirmation, not only, of course, for Jesus, but for that all around would hear and recognize this is not just the Son of Man, this is the Son of God himself. And it's a declaration of his identity as Jesus the Messiah, the Son. Very next chapter, in chapter 4, we know Jesus enters into the wilderness and he's tempted by the enemy. He's tempted by the devil. For, after 40 days of fasting, he's physically depleted and he's vulnerable, and uh, as I mentioned, I think it was Sunday, that the enemy doesn't try to hit us where we feel strongest. He comes at us in our vulnerability. He comes at us in our weakest moments, sometimes when we're isolated or alone or, uh, or we're struggling in areas of our faith. That's where the enemy tries to hit us, and, and here's, where, uh, here, here's what happens. The devil comes to Jesus, and the very first temptation, he says, if you are the Son of God. Command these stones to become bread. The very first lie of the enemy is calling into question the last word that heaven spoke. The last thing that the Father has spoken over the Son was the very first thing the enemy tried to call into question. And I don't think it's that different for you and me. That the very, that oftentimes the battle of our lives is over what God has said, what God has promised, and who God has said you are in Jesus. And if he, if he can confuse that, if he can stop you there, he can try to steal your identity, authority, and purpose. Because it's never even just about you. If he can take your identity and authority, if he can take you, undermine your faith, he can go after your kids. He can go after your marriage. He can go after communities and cities and even nations. And it all starts with a lie. It all starts with one thing, the wrong thing, that we are in agreement with. So, of course, Jesus answers him back. You know, Jesus beat up the devil with the book of Deuteronomy. Good news is you and I have 66 books, so we got a lot a lot in our arsenal. Uh, he quotes back and, you know, of course, says, mention, I'll live by bread alone. He silences the lie with the truth of the word. Who and what are you and I in agreement with? Are we in agreement with the enemy, with the word of God, or with even our own feelings and thoughts, which sometimes can be deceptive itself? Okay. So uh, th- this is important. I need to agree with God. I need to agree with him and not the enemy. I need to agree with God, not just even my own opinions or the opinions of others. I need to agree with what God has said over my life, my family, my community, the church, all of it. Uh, You know, my worldview is shaped by what I really believe. The way I respond to the news, the way I respond to people's opinions, the way I respond to anything, how people treat me or what happens in my life, you know, it all is a reflection of what I really believe. So, So let's look at this. Number two. And this is where we're going to spend most of our time. Number two, the enemy uses the threefold cord. And I want to identify and go after three things tonight. This is the only three things, but I think it's the three things that oftentimes are most subtle and most undermine God's people. And it's these three things. The threefold cord of fear, confusion, and discouragement. 
If you allow these to remain, they will steal your identity and abort your purpose in God. If we can just keep that slide up for a minute. You know, I'm, I've, I don't know what it is. I've just always, you know, had an interest in kind of military strategy and tactics. This is how my brain's always been wired. Uh, and, and, you know, this is the strategy of the enemy to fight air, land, and sea. Like, he hits you with fear, confusion, and discouragement. Oftentimes, there's not just one. They, they come as a package deal. Uh, it's not just one thing. And, it, and these, because they're individually can be overcome together, if we're not careful, they can be a threefold cord that are actually very difficult to break. But we're going to identify that tonight, and we're going to break. We're going to get free. In Jesus' name. Okay. Uh, I told you we'd be in Nehemiah. It took a long time to get there. Nehemiah 4. Nehemiah 4. Uh, we obviously don't have time to get into all of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is a great book. Um, I know my wife shared from Nehemiah before. If you missed that, go get the podcast. Nehemiah is, uh, I love the story of Nehemiah because Nehemiah is a season of revival and rebuilding. And the city of Jerusalem has come into disrepair because the walls have broken down. There were gaps in the wall which created vulnerabilities for the enemy to have access. Uh, and because of that, because the enemy had unrestricted access, he could come and go. The, the nations around Jerusalem could come and go and harass what was happening and taking place among God's people in the city. So, so Israel could not move forward. They couldn't have revival. They couldn't rebuild the nation. They couldn't, uh, for, a, for an extended season, because their walls were in disrepair, that the walls had, were made up of great big stones that, that earlier on in their history had been pulled down by, by other armies and the Babylonians. They had pulled them down, and now these great big stones had collected waste and refuse and garbage outside the city. And, and in place of those great big stones were large gaps that gave the enemy access. And see, the reality reality is the areas where we're spiritually, emotionally, relationally, whatever, wherever we're unhealthy is like having a gap in the wall that the enemy has unrestricted access in that area. And so we want to identify that, not to glorify what the enemy's doing, but to recognize, let's rebuild the wall here. Let's, let's, let's close the gap because it's at the gap that there's a vulnerability. So I can have every other area of my life in a, in a solid and moving forward and doing great, but if there's a one place where the wall is broken down, that's the place where the enemy can do what he wants to do to steal, kill, and destroy. And so that's why God helps us. Nehemiah's name means Yahweh comforts. He's a great picture of the Holy Spirit who comes into our lives and helps us through his word and through his leading to show us, here's a gap, let's work on it. Here's a broken down place. Here's a place where there's a vulnerability. Now, as they began to rebuild the wall, as they began to, you know, move forward, the enemy around, of course, didn't like it. That's why, you know, some people wonder what happens as they start to move towards God and his purpose. All hell seems to break loose, and they go, what's going on? It's because the enemy liked it when he was unchallenged, but now you're growing. Now you're getting free. Now you're moving forward. The wall is getting rebuilt, and, and don't get discouraged by the fight. Recognize that it just means you're going in the right direction. It just means things are moving forward. And so here's what it says in Nehemiah chapter 4, verse 6, so we built the wall. And the entire wall was joined together up to half its height for the people had a mind to work. 
Now what happened when Sambalat's going to name the nations and the leaders around them? When Sambalat, Tobiah, the Arabs, and the Ammonites, and the Ashdodites heard the walls of Jerusalem were being restored and the gaps were beginning to close, they became very angry. And all of them conspired together to come and attack Jerusalem and to create confusion. They conspired to create confusion. Why were they angry? Well, the enemy knows that broken people provide very little challenge or threat to his agenda. But when God heals our brokenness, when he restores our lives, when he revives us, see, there's some things in life that, that, that we walk through that leave us in, in a place of brokenness, but we're never meant to stay there. Now, now when... God has promised to heal. I want to get that. I want to get what He's promised. Are you with me? So if He says I can be free, if He says I can be whole, if if I look at an area of my life and go, I'm not moving forward here, then I need to go back with the Holy Spirit and the Word of God and let Him identify what lie is keeping me here. And let's deal with it. And, and, And so here's where we're at. It's because of the gaps in our life that the enemy comes and goes as he pleases. And, you know, the problem for Jerusalem and honestly the problem for us is never the size, strength, or power of the enemy. It never is. It's always about the areas that we've yielded and, and allowed him to have access. So, so here's, here's what Jesus says. He's about to commission his disciples, go into all the world. He's about to go to heaven. And he says, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. If Jesus has all authority, it means the devil has none. So so he has all authority. He's called you and I in Jesus to walk walk by faith, walk out our calling, go into all the world, all of that. And we walk in, we pray in his authority. It's not our own authority. It's the authority of Jesus, but you've been given the authority of Jesus to see his will accomplished in your life. The problem is whenever we give access to the enemy through a gap in the wall, through believing the lie, through agreeing with the enemy, that's why so many times we're wondering, well, why, you know, why am I moving forward, but, but, but this is happening? Why is, you know, why is my personal life a wreck? Or why, you know, why do I have anxiety and fear? And why am I kept up at night? And, you know, we're, we're dealing with that. It's because there's a gap in the wall that's meant to be closed. And God helps us recognizes, recognize it, confront it, the entry point of brokenness that the enemy has used. So, so let's deal with these. Let's look at the first one, fear. Fear distracts and paralyzes. Nehemiah 6.13, uh, there was you know, several attempts, as you read the book of Nehemiah, several attempts by the enemy, the enemies around them to distract them, to get them off task. Sometimes they use religious stuff because the hardest uh, lies to, to overcome are disguised as relig- with religious language. <laughs> the hardest lies to overcome are the ones that are disguised with religious language. They sound good, but they ain't. They, they, they sound good, but there's no joy anymore. They sound good, but there's no peace anymore. It's not drawing you closer to Jesus. It's putting a wedge between you. It's not awakening your God-given purpose, identity, and calling. It's, it's, it's crushing it, controlling it, reducing it, instead of, instead of releasing you to be all that God's called you to be. So, so this lies coming through fear. Nehemiah 6.13, for this reason, this 
opponent was hired, that I should be afraid and act that way. In other words, I should respond in fear and therefore sin so they might have a cause for an evil report that they may reproach me. So, so Nehemiah is recognizing, you know, there's all these strategies coming at him and it's all an attempt by the enemy to get him to be afraid to get him to take the easier route, to compromise, to react in fear, to react in sin, whatever it is. And so he's recognizing it. Nehemiah recognizes what most people don't recognize. (laughs) See, the enemy uses fear to steal, kill, and destroy. In Hebrew, the word here used for afraid conveys the idea of an emotional or intellectual anticipation of harm or fear. Uh, I'm going to misquote, but steal a quote that my wife was listening to on a podcast this morning. Uh, and there, there was this reference somebody had of, of a, uh, I don't know, a philosopher that said, I've had many traumatic, uh, my life has been filled with traumatic experiences, and most of them, ha- or some of them happened. Let me rephrase that. My life has been filled with traumatic experiences, and some of them happened. <laughs> Uh, and, and so this is important, you know, 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and a sound mind. So if I recognize fear is not from God, we've actually made fear a virtue in the last two years. It's crippling people's faith. It's crippling people's lives. And, and we, we have to be careful that what drives our lives is what God has said. Okay? And so fear, fear is, is you know, whether it be, I know a lot of people that don't do what God's called them to do because they're afraid of failure. They're afraid of what people think. You know, Proverbs 29, 25 in the Message Bible, the fear of human opinion disables. Trusting God protects you from that. Fear, there's an acronym for fear, false evidence appearing real. Fear blinds, fear paralyzes, fear torments, fear deceives, fear steals. It weakens, it wounds, it, 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 it manipulates, it intimidates, and it dominates. It does all these things, and so we've got to recognize where it's affecting us and break free from it in Jesus' name. The next thing is confusion. Confusion is sent to divide us from the plan and people of God. So I gave you this, this passage last week, uh, but I want to revisit it. James 3, 15, this wisdom doesn't descend from above, but is earthly, sensual, and demonic. For where envy and self-seeking exist, confusion and every evil thing are there. So where there's envy driving in relationships or self-seeking in relationships, the result is always going to be start and start confusion, and then it actually creates a, a kind of a soil bed for every other evil thing. So, so self-seeking as a at the root of most relationship problems. Can I just help somebody? Self-seeking is at the root of most relationship problems. Okay. I know it's, it's quiet when I talk about that. Okay. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, peaceable, gentle, willing to yield, full of mercy and good fruit. So, so the word here for confusion, I'll give you a couple word studies, is a word that means disorder, instability, something not in place. So confusion comes to divide your your focus, take your attention, get your eye off the ball, off of what really matters, creates confusion about your direction, your destiny, your purpose. And so I mentioned this Sunday, but I'll just revisit this for anybody who wasn't here. When you're praying, pray until you have peace. If you don't know what 
the next thing to do. Confusion isn't where God wants you to stay. Confusion is never where God wants you to stay. Doesn't mean you understand everything that's going to happen, but if you have no peace, confusion is there to rob you of that. And so, so confusion is hell's weapon to create a broken focus in our lives. And confusion, I found, comes whenever I allow my emotions or my own understanding to rule instead of the Holy Spirit. So if I allow my decisions, my thought process, my reactions, whatever it is, if I allow that to be led by emotions or my own understanding or, you know, my own reactions instead of let God lead God's thoughts, God's word uh, lead the way, then confusion's a result. So if the enemy can't paralyze you with fear, he'll use confusion to conquer you. The last one is discouragement. Uh, Nehemiah 4, let's go back to that real quick. Nehemiah 4, verse 10, then Judah, so, so Israel's got to rebuild the wall. And as I mentioned, the stones have been pulled down and they were cast over the, onto the ground. And over a generation, the people who had lived in the city that remained would every day take their garbage and, you know, they didn't have waste management. They didn't have somebody come in with a nice big truck, pull up and clear out the dumpster. They would take their garbage and dump it over the, what was left of the wall. And so over time, this garbage accumulated on top of these stones these stones that have value and purpose and once provided security are now buried by junk. And so to rebuild the wall, they've got to dig through a bunch of crud. Did, did you know that getting free was going to be a little messy? Did you know that getting whole was going to mean dealing with some stuff that you'd rather avoid? And here's where they're at. They're clearing through all the crud just to get to the stones, and they're getting discouraged. And Judah, Judah means praise. Judah's, Judah's the praise team. The strength of the laborers is failing. It's really bad when your praise team's discouraged. <laughs> you know, when, when all the optimists in the room and the, the cheerleaders, okay. So the strength of the laborers is failing, and there's so much rubbish we can't rebuild the wall. We can't do it. There's too much junk. You ever feel like that? You start, you know, God starts working in one area and you go, oh, there's so much. <laughs> you know, I, God starts helping you with your words. I, okay, I won't talk about that. He starts helping you with your attitude and how you re react to people, how you treat others. And he starts helping you with that and you, you start to get overwhelmed. There's just so much, God. Anybody else feel like that besides me? Like, okay, a couple of us, good. We're in good company. We'll start a small group. Uh, there may be a lot of rubbish, and the enemy will go, it's too much. You can't change. They can't change. You're trying to help somebody, but all you see is the rubbish. But, but God sees what's valuable buried underneath the rubbish, and God wants to help you get past all that stuff that's on the surface. And you're discouraged right now, but God wants to help you. And they're discouraged as they're rebuilding the wall. And not only that, verse 11, our adversaries said they neither know nor see anything. They can't see. Discouragement does that. Discouragement keeps you from having vision for your future. When you're discouraged, you can't see another day forward. And discouragement will keep you trapped in that place. 
So it was, verse 12, when the Jews who dwelt near came, they told us this 10 times, what the adversaries had said. Discouragement doesn't just come once. The lie of the enemy doesn't just come once. He comes repeatedly. Because I know you tried to deal, I know you dealt with that at an altar. And I know you dealt with that when you were praying last week in your study time with Jesus. But then you get that lie again. And you got to deal with it again. And discouragement happens when you've got to fight the same fight week after week, day after day. But it's not over. See, when we truly commit to allowing God to do what he wants to do in our lives, there's going to be some areas that we got to dig through. Discouragement can't be ignored. It has to be identified, resisted, not accepted. It must be fought against, not surrendered to. So when you most feel like quitting, don't quit. When you most feel like giving up, don't give up. See, the only way the enemy wins is if you quit. That's the only way. Just, just because there's a, a, it's tough right now doesn't mean he's won. No, no. Just because it's difficult right now, just because maybe you didn't, things didn't work out the way they should have worked out, just because you fell, just because this happened, just because they hurt you, just because, you know, just, he only wins if you quit. Last point, break the cord. And this is important, church. Break the cord by breaking from your agreement with the enemy. Um, Psalm 116.10 Psalmist said, I believe, therefore I spoke. I've tried to challenge you because belief is more than just what we mentally think in our head. It's what we really believe in our heart. That's why the Bible says of your faith in Jesus, we, could, we, we believe in our heart and confess with our mouth. What comes out of our mouth is a reflection of what we really believe in our heart. And so, so even as a Christian, what comes out of my mouth. So, so, so I, can, I can believe that God's going to come through. I can believe as I'm reading the word, as I'm hearing a message, whatever, I, I can believe for that moment. But if I don't stand on the word of God, transform my mind with the word of God, allow God's word to speak truth to my life, and really get it deep down where I believe it on the inside. See, what, what, what's going to happen is I'll hear it, but if I don't let it affect my heart where I really believe, and how do you know what you really believe? Well, listen to what you're saying. Ouch. How do you know what you really believe about whether or not, you know, God's going to heal you or bring back your prodigals or transform your life or provide for you? Well, well what comes out of our own mouth is a reflection of what we really believe. So here's what I found. Um, you know, there's moments where I feel like it, and I go, okay, God's going to do it. But then five minutes later, I don't feel like it. And then what I really believe comes out of my mouth. Okay. I got to stop. You're getting discouraged. You know, the Bible's given us a beautiful gift, repentance. Repentance is not just, I feel sorry for this, but it's actually, it literally means to change the mind. To change the mind. So I, I change my mind about what God has said where I now believe God's truth instead of the lie that I once accepted. John 8, 32, you will know the truth and the truth will make you free. 
You need to surround yourself with people that are going to speak truth to you. That's what the church is to be. That's, you know, when you're walking through something, you don't need everybody's opinion. You need, you need somebody who's full of faith that's going to speak the word of God over you. Op- opinions are nice, but they can't change my life. <laughs> but God's word does. Would you stand to your feet? I want to pray this last part over you. Isaiah 28, after God had said that they were trusting in or had, had come into agreement with hell, a covenant with death, here's what he says. The very next verse, verse 16, Isaiah 28, 16, Therefore, thus says the Lord, Behold, I lay in Zion a stone for a foundation, a tried stone, a precious cornerstone, a sure foundation. He who believes will not act hastily. We know from the New Testament what this foundation is. It's Jesus. He says that Israel had turned to and trusted in agreement with the wrong thing. And God's response is, I'm actually bringing a foundation you can agree with. A foundation you can rely upon. A foundation that will provide, protect, save, heal, deliver. Verse 18, he says this, and I want to declare this over your life, your family, over every situation where there's been an agreement with the lie, with the enemy, whether it's fear, confusion, discouragement, or any hundred other things. Here's what God says. Your covenant with death will be annulled, canceled. And your agreement with Sheol will not stand. Can I just tell you, the enemy, his lie is broken when you, re- when you believe what God's word says. To connect with us, find us on social or at rivercitychurch.co.